Straight Talk from Israel. You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. And now, here is Walter Bingham. Hello and welcome. It's the 13th of July, 2022, which in the Hebrew calendar is the 13th of Tammuz, 5782. I am Walter Bingham, and unlike usual, today I will confine myself to just one subject. And I'm sure you'll want to comment on it. So please write to walter at israelnewstalkradio.com where you will always get my personal reply. There's no doubt that the most discussed subject in the Jewish world today is the continuously increasing anti-Semitism. After a short respite, following the defeat of the Nazis and the discovery of the extent of their atrocities and the Holocaust, Jew hatred has again become the panacea for the world's ills. As striving to excel in their chosen activity is a Jewish character trait, many Jews are found in the upper strata of the arts, entertainment, intellectual professions, and even politics. That makes it appear as if Jews dominate or control those fields, and hence the countries in which they live, and that generates the classic historic antisemitism. But now another type of prejudice has emerged using criticism of the policies and actions of the State of Israel as a pretext to cover for Jew hatred. Several Western countries have found it necessary to create a post in their government specifically to deal with the antisocial effects of antisemitism. The US has appointed, with the rank of ambassador, the well-known and respected lawyer, historian and pro-Israel activist Deborah Lipstadt as their special envoy to monitor and combat antisemitism. Because this topic has in recent decades become the subject of academic study, the Hebrew University of Jerusalem in conjunction with the American Embassy and Israel's Ministry of Diaspora Affairs has held a seminar titled New Tools in Combating Antisemitism. The keynote speaker was Deborah Lipstadt, and the event was moderated by Ambassador Yossi Gall, Vice President of the Hebrew University, who introduced the Ambassador of the United States of America to Israel, Thomas Needs, who began by heaping praise on Lipstadt for the way she handles the subject and executes her task. Here's an edited version of his remarks. As you'll hear from her, I think, it's not just about speaking out. It's when you speak out and how you speak out and how you galvanize people's attentions. It's always easy to talk about anti-Semitism and get people riled up. But if you want to be effective in government, you want to be effective on the public stage, you have to be smart. You have to understand exactly what your audience wants to hear and what they don't want to hear. And what you're going to hear from her is someone who's got 40 years of experience on how to communicate, and she has it backed up with an articulation and a phenomenal academic career. So I'm honored that you would come here. This is a very ugly subject, talking about anti-Semitism. And I think none of us would disagree that anti-Semitism is on the rise. 
You can't open up a newspaper or look at social media or hear about the violence that takes place and not believe it to be true. It's imperative for all us. We're doing our best, but the best is not enough. We sit here in Israel and we see it from the outside and all of us should be concerned and we should be focused on the right priorities. And someone asked me here in Israel, what's the difference between anti-Semitism and debate? I have no problem when members of Congress or public officials want to debate the topic of Israel. This is a democracy here. If you want to talk about foreign assistance, you want to talk about the Iron Dome, you want to talk about Israel's relationship with the Palestinians, I'm fine with that. That's what we do. I don't necessarily, agree, necessarily have to agree with them. But when you cross the line between debate and anti-Semitism, that's where we need to put our foot down. Here's a classy, classic point. I'm a liberal guy. I was a reformed Jew. I'm not as religious as some of my friends, but I'm a classical Jewish guy, and I care deeply about what it means to be a Jew and what you need to be to give back as a Jew and what I think is important to be able to speak out as a Jew. But I was in Washington a month ago, and my kid came to me and said, hey, Dad, there's this guy who's going to be speaking at Georgetown at this campus, and he has said some hellaciously terrible stuff. I mean, like, really bad stuff. I'm like, oh, come on, Max, really? He said, yeah, yeah, read this stuff. That is crossing. You can be pro-Palestinian and be pro-Israel. There's no reason why you can't be both. But when your Israel position is about Jews, about their behavior, about what they do, that's a line that you cannot cross. And so I called Greenblatt. He is the CEO of the ADL, from whom we'll hear a little later. And I said, hey, Jonathan, what do you think? He goes, yeah, this guy is not great. And immediately he started tweeting out on his Twitter account, and it caught on. Now, they debated canceling the speech, which they didn't ultimately do. But that's exactly what we need to do. We need to determine where speech, First Amendment rights, university dialogue crosses the line. There was no reason for him to be at that university. He had been turned down at other universities. And you can wrap yourself around the First Amendment, which I'm totally into. I would wrap myself into the idea that universities should be able to have people with different views speak at universities. But I am not going to stand still and keep our voices quiet when I believe someone is crossing line from debate to anti-Semitism. That we can't tolerate. So I hope in this conversation you're going to have, you listen to the experts to help you understand there is okay to have debate. There's nothing wrong with the debate, and we need to be very careful how we throw around the words anti-Semitism. But when we see it, we better stamp it out. So on behalf of the American Embassy, thank you very much. The ambassador was followed by Nachman Shai, the Minister of Diaspora Affairs, who talked about the delegitimization of Israel and the various new social media platforms that spread anti-Semitic sentiments. It's been 77 years since the atrocity of the Holocaust. Many would have thought that after such horror and, and uh, blunted hatred towards Jews, the world would dispense intolerant and labels. Yet, here we are 77 years later at a conference aimed at learning about new tools to combat contemporary anti-Semitism. Anti-Semitism is not going anywhere. In fact, it is growing. Each generation fostered their own unique battle with anti-Semitism. 
our generation and anti-Semitism is characterized by the delegitimization of the State of Israel and double standards for the Jewish people as a whole. Today, we are witnessing the dangerous intersection between anti-Israel, anti-Zionist, and anti-Semitic sentiments. While the content of anti-Semitic comments may not have changed, the way in which they are being transferred is a new battle uh, that we all face, the battle on social media and digital platforms. False and misleading claims now have platforms to be amplified thousands of times, creating an insular double, uh, bubble of information and online echo chambers. The government of the State of Israel bestowed upon the Ministry of Diaspora Affairs the task of leading the fight of anti-Semitism together with the Foreign Ministry and other various government bodies and institutes and others. After more than a year as a government minister, I have drawn the conclusion that it is time for Israel to organize the many bodies which deal with anti-Semitism into one framework to have a more effective and strategic response. In order to have a stronger impact, it is essential to increase both financial and human resources for that cause. We recognize how events in Israel impact world Jewry. It is thus Israel who needs to take a leading role in fighting those expressions of hatred with Jews around the world. Yet anti-Semitism is not an Israeli nor a Jewish problem. It's a global challenge and must be handled as such. Countries around the world are called to exercise their responsibility in this as well in order to move us forward. We will face this urgent task together and succeed to overcome this challenge. We then heard the exquisite and informative address by Deborah Lipstadt, who expounded on the various furtive as well as blunt methods used for seeding and to disseminate anti-Semitism, their origins, effects and methods of countering. I was coming in in the wake of the Abraham Accords, had a chance to do something positive. And that's why I chose for my first trip to go to the Gulf and to make Saudi Arabia my first stop. First, I want to talk a little bit of, of structural analysis of anti-Semitism. I think some of us fail to try to fully understand what it is. We've got to understand that anti-Semitism is a conspiracy theory. And that's what makes it different from other prejudices. It is a prejudice like other prejudices. If a Jew does something wrong, oh, that's how Jews are. If a Jew does something right, oh, she's one of the good ones. Think about the etymology of the word prejudice, pre-judge. Don't confuse me with the facts. I've made up my mind. I see the person in the hijab. I see the person in a kippah. I see the woman in the, with her head covered. I know who they are. I see the person with black skin. I know who they are. I know their values because of that internal prejudice. It's also a conspiracy theory, and that's what makes it unique. The idea that Jews use their wealth, their power, their smarts, but they're malicious, nefarious, 
evil, crafty, conniving smarts to wreak havoc on the non-Jewish world. And we see that today in what we call the great replacement theory, which many people date to France, but really way precedes it. Jews will not replace us. The idea being that there is an effort to destroy, now in its contemporary iteration, white Christian culture, by flooding Europe with black people, with brown people, with Muslims. But the person who subscribes to this says, these people, they're not smart enough, they're not talented enough to be doing this on their own. There has to be someone behind the scenes, someone with the wealth, someone with the power, someone with the malicious smarts, someone who knows how to do their evil work behind the scenes, but not get caught. The racist knows immediately that the Jews are behind this. The conspiracy theorist, who may not start out as an anti-Semite, when he puts out that template, can only end up one place, ah, it must be the Jews. Remember the terrible events in Buffalo, where a young man, uh, radicalized on the internet, drove to a uh, area in Buffalo where he had figured out was the greatest concentration of black people to shoot and murder them in a supermarket. So I took upon myself the dubious responsibility of reading his so-called 180-page manifesto. Um, and it becomes very clear that he wanted to kill as many black people as he could. Black people were a danger to white society, but exactly as I said it a moment ago, he believed that behind their efforts were Jews, and he described Jews, and I quote, as demons, and the biggest problem the Western world has ever had. They had to be killed, and if they are lucky, to be exiled. We cannot show them any sympathy. They have to go back to the hell from where they came. So blacks were the puppets, the Jews were the puppeteers. Too often when we fight anti-Semitism or we fight racism, we fight it in silos. You can't fight it in silos. It's the same structural analysis. It may start with the Jews, but it doesn't end with the Jews. The attacks in Pittsburgh at the Tree of Life Synagogue, the comments made and the writings by that murderer were echoed by the murderer in Christchurch, New Zealand, who attacked two mosques and killed 51 Muslims and injured 40 more. There's a connection. They all subscribe to the same view. This effort to destroy the culture, behind it is the Jew, the, and it, the black person is the enemy as well. They rely on the same imagery. George Soros has become, to quote the sociologist David Hirsch in the UK, the Rothschild of the 21st century. Do not tell me, I said this to someone, oh, he collaborated. He was 14 years old during the Holocaust, to say about a 14-year-old that they is quite outrageous. But it doesn't matter. For the person who cites Soros, whether it's someone in Hungary or on social media in the United States, Soros means Jew. Soros means Rothschild. Soros means Jew. And of course, then you have attacks on the state of Israel, and some of them done quite surreptitiously. The Havara Agreement, for instance, in the summer of 1930, just a few months after 
The Nazis had come to power. The German Zionist organization reached an agreement with the Nazi government to allow Jews who were leaving the Third Reich. They could get credit for their blocked funds, and those blocked funds would be used by the Yishuv to buy German agricultural equipment. But, of course, that is completely distorted. It was a way to help the Yishuv, which was in desperate need of equipment. It was, it was a pact with the devil. There was debate about it. But now it has become the template for people who want to attack Israel, want to attack Zionists, and engage in anti-Semitism. See, the Jews were part of this. It's the same thing as Foreign Minister Lavrov saying Hitler's mother was a Jew, i.e. Hitler was a Jew, and Jews attacked their own. Jews participated in their own destruction. So we see it in that way, and we see this interconnectedness, the use of these kind of tropes to attack the state of Israel. The other thing to understand about anti-Semitism, which makes it unique, we have the conspiracy theory, and the other unique element is its ubiquity, its free-flowing characteristic. You have to understand that anti-Semitism is ubiquitous, it's free-flowing. It comes from every place on the political spectrum. It's not right or left center. It comes from Christians. It comes from Muslims. It comes from atheists. It comes from Jews. It's unlike other prejudices, certainly racial prejudices, usually come from the right. Here we find anti-Semitism coming from all these places. And by the way, I think it's a complete waste of time to engage in the debate which is worse, dysentery or cholera. They're all bad. And I have noticed that many Jews see anti-Semitism on the other side of the political spectrum. So those on the right are very quick to see it on the left. Those on the left are very quick to see it on the right, but fail to see it next to them. I'm not saying it's all equal, but in terms of looking at sources of anti-Semitism, you cannot just and look in one direction. We also know here in Jerusalem that some of the criticism of Israel often morphs into anti-Semitism or is used by the anti-Semite. I'm not an anti-Semite, I'm just a critic of Israel. We know that, we recognize it. However, we also know that sometimes criticism of Israel is not anti-Semitic. It may be wrong, it may be unfair, it may be unjustified, but it may not fall into the category of anti-Semitism. And I would urge that we be careful about this for a number of reasons. Amongst them, in Talmudic language, tafasta merube lo tafasta. If you try to grab too much, you don't grab anything at all. If you call everything anti-Semitism, no one pays attention. Or worse, they dismiss you. You may be very accurately calling them out as an anti-Semite. They may be a flaming anti-Semite, but call everyone an anti-Semite. So I think when we call someone, and I rarely call someone an anti-Semite, what I say is what they're doing is anti-Semitism, because I don't know what's in their heart. We have to be very careful on that. We have to be judicious so that when we criticize it something, it speaks in that way. Let me turn now to my recent visit to the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia. I want to start there because they're not yet part of the Abraham Accords, but there has been a tremendous change in attitudes, changes in behavior. We certainly don't agree with everything, but there has been differences vis-a-vis -vis the position of women, vis-a-vis -vis certain religious rules, etc. 
when some reporters asked me right before I went, do you think they'll engage with you? I said, well, my title makes it very clear. I'm not coming to talk about climate change or oil production. I'm coming to talk about Jew hatred. For too many decades, the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia was a great exporter of Jew hatred. But what I found has changed there dramatically. I met with the heads and staff of entities focused on combating extremism, focused on interfaith dialogue, including the Muslim World League, whose Secretary General visited Auschwitz in 2020. I met with uh, the Office of Islamic Cooperation. I met with the Minister of Islamic Affairs and talked about the history of the Jews in the region. If you know your history, the Jews were there in Medina before Islam. And the Deputy Foreign Minister very proudly said to me, I come from a city with Jewish history, from Medina. And we heard from younger people who seem willing to divide between the geopolitical crisis here in Israel, vis-a-vis -vis the Palestinians, vis-a-vis -vis the land on the other side, whatever name you want to give to it, and the fact that anti-Semitism is something separate and apart. It is important first steps. There was a clear willingness to continue this conversation. There is a change afoot in this region. You know it, you've seen it. There is much that remains to be done. But if as a special envoy to monitor and combat anti-Semitism, someone who has been directly charged by Secretary Blinken, to whom I report directly, there's an interest to build. We say, if we can be, don't call them your sons, call them your builders. If we can be builders, for me, Diane Lewis, thank you very much. Among the other speakers and panelists was Jonathan Greenblatt, CEO and National Director of the ADL, the U.S. Anti-Deformation League. The ADL, it's the oldest anti-hate organization in the U.S., We've been fighting anti-Semitism for almost 110 years. The issues are real. Something has changed in the U.S. and around the world. In 2021, the ADL recorded the highest number of anti-Semitic incidents we've ever seen in American history, a 34% increase over the prior year. The ADL is on the ground with 25 offices across America literally investigating, responding, engaging with law enforcement, with elected officials. We investigated over 9,600 incidents last year. The number last year was almost triple the number in 2015. And the people attacking Jews in broad daylight, they weren't wearing MAGA hats. The red pro-Trump caps. Some of them are wearing Palestinian kaffiyas. I am pro-Palestinian and pro-Israel. But the people who are contributing to this rise in anti-Semitism is coming from all sides. It's not only in America. Germany reported over 2,780 incidents last year, the highest number they've seen in more than a decade. Paris reported a historic number of incidents in France. Our counterparts at the or CST in the UK reported a record number of incidents as well. This is happening all over the world. Social media is a super spreader of online hate and harassment. In online environments, you can attack the Jews with impunity. 
anti-Israel NGOs have been saying this for years with no one stopping them, with no one protesting, so it's become table stakes in some communities. The delegitimization of Israel is one of the main vectors of anti-Semitism in the 21st century. Much of this anti-Zionism was developed in the Soviet Union, so it actually isn't new. It's like an old wine in new bottles. We also heard from Noah Tishby, who is Israel's government-appointed envoy for combating anti-Semitism and delegitimization. She related in graphic terms what brought her into political activism and began with this episode. I grew up in Israel, and as you all will probably relate to, I grew up with exactly zero anti-Semitism. I thought this thing was completely settled after World War II. It's clearly lost. Nobody's anti-Semitic anymore. Um, and all I needed to do was travel abroad. So my first experience with anti-Semitism, when I was 17 years old, to the island of Eos in Greece, and this guy comes up to me, and he's tall, and he's cute, and he's blonde, he's like young, and we start chatting and all that, and we walk out the deck, and it's like romantic moonlight. We start chatting. He says, I'm from Germany. Where are you from? And I say, I'm from Israel. And as soon as I said that, I see his face kind of drop. And he becomes weird, and he goes quiet, trying to like lighten things up. Look, it's okay. You know, nations had a, a complicated past, but isn't it great that we were able to overcome it and make sure that it never happens again? And he looked me straight in the eye, and he said, listen, we're not certain that that thing even happened. And if it did, you guys took all the money that we gave you and you used it for your wars. That was when I, I got introduced to the concept of Holocaust denial and distortion. Now, it was about 2010 when I was at home and I, and I was browsing this new and exciting platform. It was called Twitter. And suddenly I see that the word Israel is trending in Turkish. And I knew by then enough to realize that this can't be a good thing. She then related the story of the Turkish ship Mavi Mamara that tried to break Israel's blockade of the Gaza Strip, which was designed to stop weapon smuggling to the terrorist regime. Israeli Navy boarded the ship against heavy opposition and the result were nine dead terrorist crew members. But what I saw at the time was how fake news is becoming reality online in a matter of seconds. Now this was 2010 and I was blown away by this. I'm like, this is not what's supposed to happen. This is where I got into activism. Because what came out online was that Israel just kind of jumped on this love boat, just killed nine activists. I realized that it's becoming an existential threat on the country. It was a most interesting three hours in the company of a group of distinguished experts on arguably the most important topic that concerns the Jewish world. And with that, I end and hope that I've given you some food for thought. So, until the next time, this is Walter Bingham wishing you a happy and healthy week. But I also wish to remind you that in some parts of the world there is an unusual heat wave and that affects the elderly. So, please visit your elderly neighbor to see if he or she is comfortable. Thank you. Goodbye.
Where can you get the inside news on Israel? At Israel News Talk Radio, we're dedicated to sharing Israel's inside story with the world by providing our listeners with news on Israeli politics, current affairs, and Israeli Jewish culture. The Israel News Talk Radio homepage also provides you, the listener, with useful information at your fingertips. With scrolling news headlines, weather, currency exchange, Shabbat candle lighting times, and so much more. Our radio programming is always accessible and on demand. We operate absolutely free of charge for everyone, everywhere. If you love what we do, partner with us now by becoming an Israel News Talk Radio supporter. With your support, you'll be inscribed on our Israel News Talk Radio Wall of Fame. There's nothing like us in the world. Be part of something great. Israel News Talk Radio, straight talk from Israel. Howdy, this is Rita from League City, Texas, now living in Israel. And though my heart may have belonged to Texas, it now belongs to Israel and all the fantastic show hosts at Israel News Talk Radio. Hi, this is Michael Solomon from Kiryat Darba, Israel. And why do I love listening to Israel News Talk Radio? Because I love listening to the interesting interviews they do and their news reporting that most other media sources don't cover. Hey, this is Nikolaiko from Malmo, Sweden. It gets pretty cold here in Sweden, so I love cuddling up with a warm cup of tea while I listen to Israel News Talk Radio. Hey, everybody, this is Frank Garris from Tennessee. Me and my dog Buster really love listening to Israel News Talk Radio. <laughs> You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. opinion and more you're listening to israel news talk radio 